0: Welcome to the Florida Peanut Podcast. I'm Noah Walker uh, here at All Things Visual Marketing in Lake City, Florida. And joining us in studio today is Laura Fowler-Goss, Executive Director and Fearless Leader of the Florida Peanut Federation. And joining us today, uh, we have Dr. Barry Tillman, who is a professor of agronomy and the Interim Director of the North Florida REC Research and Education Centers for UF-IFAS. Welcome, Dr. Tillman. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. Glad to be here.
2: Thank you for joining us, Dr. Tillman. No, I want to tell you, when I came into this position, there were about three people, and they said, if you want to know anything about peanuts, here are the people you call, and he was on that list.
0: Well, in our pre-interview. If you want to
2: know anything about peanuts, I said. I can see why. You called him, Tillman, and and here
0: he is. Well, here he is, and and, uh, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, How about just give us a little um, background of yourself and- how how you got to be one of the uh one of the people that people point to whenever you want to know about peanuts
1: all right sure noah so yeah i I began um here at at the university of florida in 2004 as an assistant professor and i I came uh, here from actually a rice breeding job i worked in um, the rice industry for about 10 years out in texas and so um you know plant breeding is my field we develop in this field we develop new varieties of of, uh, for farmers to grow, for farmers to be able to have, you know, higher yield, better quality, better disease resistance, all those things we're, we're trying to put into one single plant that farmers can grow. And so um, I've done that in my whole career and, and I switched from rice into peanut and really have enjoyed working in the peanut uh, side of things. So in 2004, I joined um, uh, here at the North Florida REC in Mariana it is where I live and work. And um, uh, that program actually, has existed since the 1970s. My predecessor, um, Dr. Gorbitt um, uh, started there in the 1970s uh, developing the program. At that time, there were actually two breeders, pinup um, breeders in the, in the University of Florida system. Uh, he was there in Mariana, and there was another in Gainesville. And um, the program there in Gainesville is where it all started uh, in the 1920s. They were reached were wow. back as 100 years ago uh, in this program. So it's was really neat history to follow through and, and um, the program has had many you know, many um, successes throughout its its um, 100 year history um, varieties that have occupied you know, tens of thousands of acres uh, every year for 20 years um, hmm. one of those called flow runner and that variety at least in the nineteen seventy, was a dominant variety for many many years um, the program developed uh, what's called the high lake trait the high oleic, um varieties are uh, oil quality that makes the, the, um, peanuts last longer uh, on the shelf and they're able to, to, um, uh, last weeks longer and still taste good after a week's restored compared to the, the normal type. So that's a an important thing for part of the industry that uses peanuts. They're mainly in the candy industry. So M&Ms and Hershey bars and things like that you use those types of high lake peanuts. Um, the normal late peanuts are very valuable as well, and they, the peanut butter manufacturers use those. So um, that trait was something that we developed uh, with the University of Florida before I came here. So I'm kind of, you know, you know, a long line of of breeders and researchers working in this area.
0: Yeah. Well, in in our pre-interview, you also talked about. Uh your introduction to that history and and finding some artifacts from the program, talk to us a little bit about uh, a little bit more about the history and the processes of how um they did the research and the recordings of their 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 findings uh and how that relates today and how it's progressed over time
2: and u f is a founder in peanut research right is that true
1: that's right Lori. yes is a the breeding program, beginning in the 1920s, is actually the first in the country um, to actually use more at that time modern breeding techniques, meaning crossing two two plants together to make hybrids and, and select new varieties from among those hybrids. So that was a, 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 a innovation that UF was leading in, in the peanut world at that time. Um, and yeah, back in the in the 20s, uh, no to your question about archiving. You know, when, when we're developing new varieties, we're we're testing thousands of new plants every year. And there has to be an accurate record-keeping system to keep track of all those mm-hmm. things. And and of course, nowadays, we use modern computers and databases, and we can you know, print barcode labels and, and keep everything straight from from that standpoint. It's a very, uh, very important part of, of um, a breeding program is to be able to track all that data. But back in the 20s, um, we found some, uh, we have the history of a program written down uh, only a little uh four by six index cards from the nineteen twenties. Mm-hmm. the breeders, you know, have written written their notes on there, with the pedigrees of the varieties that they were crossing and the notes about That's the cool. existence. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And and it's all there. We, we brought it back to Mariana. So we have the really the entire written history um in terms of the field history of the breeding program from the nineteen twenties until the mm-hmm. present day
2: that's that's awesome. This made me think of something i wrote down record keeping which is critically important versus time in the field versus thinking. The <laughs> researcher yeah. how you split up your time i mean because you've got you've got to have you know some some solitude there to come up with the cool new things to do but you also have to work with the plants and the seeds and you also have to take gum accurate notes to keep it all straight. Yeah, and
0: if you're constantly moving, how do you take time right. to, to deduce the the outcomes that you need to deduce to, to move the research forward?
1: Now, that's a great question. And the real answer is I have a great team of people working with me and for me. So um, you know, we have, I have um, uh, at any one time, one or two graduate students in the program working on research areas, questions that we have that we're trying to answer for the industry, for the program, and, and, and really for the whole the whole of the, the system and you the, um, of the, the economy. And so, then I have full time staff who've been with me for, in some cases, 20 years. Um, and awesome. They're well trained. I have a, a new postdoc working with me now who is um, replacing a, a retiree who's been there for 25 years. So a great team of people help to keep all this great. I can't do it myself by any means. So, yeah. so, my job is kind of the, you know, is the, is the chief motivator, I guess you'd say, and we're trying to keep everything on track with a lot of moving pieces. But I have a great team of people who, who manage the database, who help, you know, count all the seeds to get them planted and, and got everything into clean as well as harvesting. So, yeah, that it's, it is definitely a team effort
2: well, not an individual effort. Awesome. Awesome. We we expected such, but it still takes quite a leader to, to bring it all together. Absolutely. Um,
0: let's move on to uh, what the outcomes of your, your research and practice um, are there t- to perform, right? So what are the characteristics that you're looking to improve uh, in peanuts and peanut varieties through your research?
1: Yeah, great question. So in terms of Our targets are those targets that are going to benefit farmers. Our growers, when they grow a peanut crop, the the way that they get paid is on the tonnage that they deliver to the buying point and the quality of that tonnage. So um, we're looking at what we call the yield of the pounds of peanuts per acre that a farmer will harvest. That really is the number one trait that we're we're breeding for. Um, And that means that we have to test these new varieties and new lines over really multiple years and multiple locations before we have the data to be able to make a decision that one is better than the other, because there's a lot of variability from the soil type and the seasons um, and, and all that goes into that. You know, farmers are, you know, our farmers are, are in Florida are throwing peanuts all the way from western near Pensacola all the way down to um, Levy County, Florida and everywhere in between. And even some cases further south than that. So there's a lot of territory that need, they need to be adapted to. So yield is one of those. The quality factors are like uh, what we call grade, and it really is how many peanuts are, are they harvesting? Not just the shells, because we, we sell the peanuts in the shell, but how what percentage of that is actually peanuts, if that's what is valuable to hmm. them. Um, and then, of course, disease resistance. Farmers are, unless, at least in peanut, farmers have um, a, a large expense in trying to control diseases. Uh, mm-hmm. With fungicides and with management practices, and so just trying to help uh, reduce that that cost by breeding disease resistance world. those the of targets.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a whole package deal that really has to come together. What's the timeline um, on on a seed on a seed getting your stamp of approval of being ready to go on twenty thousand acres?
1: Yeah, good question. So we when we start the program, uh, let's say making a cross. So we decide we have two parents, we want to make a cross between those two parents to develop a new variety from. that they have complementary characteristics that we're, we're trying to put together into one new plant. Um, let's say we start that in year one um, at about year eight, maybe nine or ten. We're ready to make a decision to release that. Variety. I and mean, then there's another couple of years of seed increase. So it really is from the time we make a cross to start a new variety, it's 12 years before a farmer would be able to grow that seed of that variety.
2: Um, Commitment, Dr. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then how long until until that phases out because something better comes along? 15 or 20 years? I mean, like another tw- every 12 years? To be great, like four years. How does that go?
1: yeah you know it's it really it's a really good question, and it's it really depends on how um how good the current variety is and and um okay. so I mentioned the I mentioned the flow runner variety earlier. It was in mm-hmm. the market for over twenty years. That's the dominant variety. Um, mm-hmm. and that's because it was so good that it took us a long time to find something that was better. better. Um, yeah, and um turns out that that a a specific disease um, came into the market at the end of the industry. And about the mid nineties, and it actually is what caused flowrunner to be um, um knocked off that that 20 um, year pedestal of, of production oh, wow, yeah, and so it it's uh it's it happens over some time, you know we have a current variety now in the market that's been there for almost twenty years, and it's really a strong variety, and we've not none of us have been able to find something better than um but we're working hard on that, and I think there will be some new things in the near future that are better than that.
2: And Dr. Tillman, I just remembered at the peanut field day at the Suwannee Valley Center, there's a, a T something or other. And I was so excited because I thought the T in the variety name was for Tillman. And then you said it was for tomato spotted wilt. And I thought to myself, I'm still going to call it Tillman. <laughs> what is that? And And do you know what I'm talking about, first of all, because oftentimes people don't.
1: Absolutely, and, yeah.
2: Where in the process is that and, and when um, I, I'm just and generally a very enthusiastic person. So when, when does the excitement kick in for you in the beginning, in the middle or, or closer to it being published or whatever you call it when it goes out to market?
1: Yeah, there, there are kind of several points of excitement through the process. When you first see the data from, you know, from the first yield test and say, wow, this is this looks really good. Um and then you test it the next year and oh it's not so good. So there's, there's these ups and downs, you know, but but um over time you find those lines that do well almost every year. And so we we released T sixty one because it has better tomato spotted root virus resistance. And that's a, a big problem in much of our production area. Mm-hmm. Um that disease is still problematic, even even um you know, after it uh, we found resistance to it, it's still a problem for growers in, in many areas. Um and so yeah, that that um excitement then you know, then i think the next step is once we start growing the larger scale i'm really excited to see and interested to see how it does for growers you know near because that is the true litmus litmus test we have lots of our small plot data and on farming tests but how do growers really how are they really able to benefit from it so that's the, kind of the last excitement point yeah,
0: that's a uh, a good point there too so what i was just kind of thinking about was you know how the the, what we've heard over the last year in doing this podcast is that a lot of the costs and inputs for fungicides and for the defensive aspects for a grower are all through the roof. So a lot of the work that you do, even though it might be slower to the market, is really good defensive work um, for the future of these farmers in making sure that their product that they're producing is good and sustainable in the field and can really help them hold off some of these rising costs over time. Right. Um, how else does, does your work and your research directly relate to the producers and uh, their outcomes that come to market?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think disease resistance is, a, is still a really big one, um, and, but there are other things. Um, you know, we have some even though we released T61 as a as a spotted wilt resistance variety, resistant variety, we have some new ones that are even better, and, and they're close to release. So, I'm really excited about that because that's a it's a cost for growers, and we're losing some of the fungicides and insecticides that growers rely on, and especially in the spotted wilt area, we might lose a, an insecticide that really rely on. So, these new varieties are really impact impacting help there. Um, another area is we talked about the quality limit, the high leg and the normal leg. Um, those are important for parts of the industry that need the different types. Um uh, you know, um, grade is also critical for growers having having you know, more valuable peanuts to sell. And um mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the future, who knows what you know, quality care features might be available um to growers in, in the underneath of in the industry. So we're exploring other types of um, you know, of quality um, uh, enhancements as well. Um, but they're not as important really on a day-to-day basis as as others really three really big things that yield rate in this ecosystem.
0: Nice. Right. So really what to I guess summarize that in my mind is that your work, whenever it comes to uh, the producers putting it into play, helps them grow more, grow better and then grow a more marketable product mm-hmm. um across different industry sectors like with the, the different types of oil peanuts you we were talking in our pre-interview about um some of them are better for candy peanuts uh, mm-hmm. and or peanuts that go into candy and then some of them are better for say your peanut butter or, or direct uh,
2: yeah.
0: direct to consumer use. So that's phenomenal.
2: It, it it's really cool to think of it coming full circle mm-hmm. the work Dr. Tilma's doing um, plus or minus 12 years, you know, mm. when Amory graduates high school, <laughs> um, you, you know, that <sighs> the peanut butter that she eats will be a reflection of the work he's doing That's today, right. you know, and, and when she feeds her baby peanuts to right. be sure they don't grow up allergic, you know, it, it's going to be thanks to the folks on his team and others that are doing that same kind of work. I, I just, the science of it all is too much for me. Um, we were talking about genetic markers to track. Mm-hmm. So I wrote it down because it's going to make me sound smart one day,
0: yeah. The, the um, you know, and we talked a little bit in the pre interview as well. I mean, yeah, you can really dive, and we'll probably have to have two or three other episodes with you so. if we can siphon off that much of your time, but to, to really deep dive down into how you guys um, mark out these, what, what is valuable, uh, in the genetics of these plants and then how you select either the plants or the genes to replicate, um, and then what that looks like. Are they all clones? Or are they all, are, are they all biological descendants? What is it? Um, it's all very fascinating. It very
2: is incredible. What, do. what did you call it? Big brain. Big brain.
0: Yeah. It's very big brain, big brain stuff. Bigger brain than my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dr. Tillman, we appreciate you uh, sharing with us. Is there anything else that we should know or producers or consumers of peanuts should know um, today about, about what you do or, or um, anything that's coming down the line for them?
1: You well, know, Maybe just in general, I think you know, plant breeding as a whole is a really maybe unknown field. But mm-hmm. almost every plant that, that someone touches, whether it's a vegetable or a house plant, um that you might buy in Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever you might do your shopping in a gardening store. They are a product of a plant breeder's work somewhere mm-hmm. in this country or the world. Um so I think it's a it's a really interesting field. Um not a lot of people get into it, but I, I would be you know, remiss not to point out that it's an exciting thing for young people to maybe maybe think about doing as a career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know how you feel about these two words, but go gators on being the the oldest uh And was the most established breeding and research uh, facility and and, uh, institution in this field. Right. Thank you, Dr. Tillman, for for uh, for leading the way in North Florida. So, yeah, great. Well, I've I've been Noah Walker with the uh, Florida Peanut Podcast. This has been Laura Fowler Goss, Executive Director of the Florida Peanut Federation, and today we were taught a lot Mm -hmm. by Dr. Barry Tillman, uh, the interim. Director of the North Florida RAC under IFAS and an agronomy professor. Thank you very much, Dr. Tillman. And uh, we hope to talk to you again soon.
2: Thank you. Thank you.